and give us pure hearts. Let us now lift our souls to another and give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. Let us now lift our souls. And oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face. Oh God of Jacob, oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face. Oh God of Jacob. We bow our hearts, we bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We know nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Let us in freedom confess the wrong we have done. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You can have a seat. We're going to go into our time of sharing gratitudes and laments with each other. So I invite you to turn to a neighbor and uh, feel free to share something about your life. And we will uh, continue our singing and worship here in a few minutes.
All right, I invite you to stand with us. Let's continue our worship time. And I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree is planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. Sing that together again. And I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And I shall not be, I shall not be moved, just like a tree that's planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. The glory, hallelujah, I shall not be moved. Anchored in Jehovah, I shall not be moved, just like a tree. Is planted by the waters. I shall not be
You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Jesus and 
Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Y'all can have a seat. Well, it's really good to be together today. My name is John, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I just want to say welcome to each and every one of you. we got a great crew of people here with us this morning, and I can feel God's presence here in this space. I just want you to know that, that I, I believe God is here among us, and I believe God wants to do something in your life, uh, that God wants to do something through our church this morning and so I encourage you to really pray that God would open your heart to receive something um, from God this morning in this space. Every week, uh, except the first Sunday of the month, every other Sunday except the first, we have a children's ministry we call the Wonder Room. It is for kids who are four years old up through fifth grade in elementary school. And it is a wonderful time for, the students to, for these kids to learn and to ask questions and to really dig into the biblical story. And so this morning, we do have Wonder Room. If you are a parent and you have never sent your child up, before, we ask that you walk up with them in just a moment, make sure all the forms are filled out and everything, but let's invite our children to come over to the door over here and line up with our leaders, give them a hand as they come up to the front. We are very grateful for our Wonder Room uh, leaders and teachers, that they do a wonderful job. Well, we've got a couple of announcements we want to highlight this morning. We don't always share them out loud, but we've got a couple of important ones we want to tell you about before our time of prayer. So Christina is going to share our first. Thank you. So if you haven't seen the announcements yet this morning, let me go ahead and tell you we are working on a new community art project. This is a beautiful example done by the Epley family for us. They just walked out, the ladies of the Epley family, but we could applaud them anyway because they did a great job. Um, whoops. Yes. So these are our Alleluia banners that we're making for Easter. And we have 40 of these first come, first serve. So they are intended to be one per household. So you and whoever you want to complete it with. Um, we are going to process in with these on Easter morning. So Easter is going to feel celebratory in lots of different ways. This is just one of them. So your family can create this beautiful piece together. It can look like whatever you want. We're only asking it has the word Alleluia on it at least once. So the Epleys have some paint at their house, and they paint it theirs. Yours does not have to be that fancy. You could literally write the word Alleluia like seven times, and that could be your banner if you want. But we want to be able to represent as many different families and households as we can. And so we're going to process in with them on Easter morning and have a celebratory kind of entrance together. And then we're going to use these to decorate our worship space throughout the Easter season. Because Easter is not just one day, it is 50 days where we celebrate the resurrection as we head towards Pentecost. And so you are going to help make our worship space celebratory and beautiful for many weeks to come. So we are doing this this week and the next week and having them ready for Easter morning. And if you go to the cafe after service, Emily Posey, our artist in residence, will be in there to help you get set up with some materials. Um, and we also are going to have materials available on Easter morning. So if you're one of those last-minute Lucys, or if you just want to do it in community, <laughs> whatever we have left by that point, so don't count on it. You know, you might want to get started before that. 
But if you want to wait till then or bring your supplies with you and finish it together, we're going to do that in the cafe after our Easter sunrise service. So sunrise service, then we'll come inside. There'll be some coffee and light refreshments and the opportunity to finish these. So lots of great opportunities to participate. Um, it's just an opportunity for us to have a physical representation of our celebration and what it means to your particular household to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. So I hope as many of you will participate as possible. Go see Emily in the cafe after service and check them out. We've got some easy instructions for you to follow, and the banners are all provided. So yay, thanks. Thank you, Christina. We have... Um, for Holy Week, which we've been actually talking about Holy Week all of Lent, which has been really exciting, but um, during actual Holy Week, which is not this week, but the week after, we have a couple of special things we're doing. We have a Good Friday service, um, which will be on Friday, April 7th. That's going to be at 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary, and Laban and some others will lead us through that service. We're also going to do an Easter sunrise service as well. And that'll be at 7 a.m. on Easter Sunday. So those early risers who like to get out, we'll do that outside, weather permitting. And that'll be short uh, and simple, but, but meaningful. And then afterwards, you can come inside for some refreshments and coffee. We are not doing a breakfast. We had hoped to, um, but we are actually, our fellowship hall is being renovated right now. And its um, timeline is just probably not going to work out. So we cannot guarantee that we'll actually have a kitchen to use. Uh, so it's hard to have breakfast without a kitchen. So... We're going to have some light refreshments and coffee after the sunrise service, and then we'll have our Easter Sunday service um, later on at 11 a.m. And so that is going to be a service of all ages. Um, we're not going to be able to actually have the nursery that morning, and so um, everybody's going to be in here. So it's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. We're going to sing lots of songs. I won't preach very long, I promise. Um, though when I say that, I usually preach longer than I intended to. Um, but I will be uh, disciplined uh, on Easter Sunday. And I will not keep you in here forever and make your children listen to me talk for a long time. So don't worry. Um, also, one more thing I want to share with you today at 3 p.m. We're doing that informational meeting that I've been telling you about for a couple of weeks about the United Methodist Church. Um, some of you may not know this, but we are a United Methodist Church here at Embrace. And our denomination is going through a really, really hard time. Um, you may have heard about churches who are disaffiliating and leaving our denomination around issues of human sexuality and gender and faith, and we at Embrace have really decided we need to dig in and, and learn and grow and really just talk about how, as a church, um, we can be the most loving place that we can possibly be. And so, uh, that's what we've been doing, and we told you when we began this process uh, quite a while ago that we were going to keep you all updated and, and make sure that we invited you all into the process at some point. And so this meeting is kind of a first step to give you an update about what we've been doing and also to give some information about the United Methodist Church and what's happening. There's a lot of uh, messaging and lots of things that are being said. Um, some are, are right on and some, I believe, are, are not quite the truth. And so we're going to try to lay it out as simply as we can, kind of what's been going on in the denomination and, and then give you all a chance to kind of reflect um, um, and ask questions or give feedback about how in, this might impact our church. And so if you want to come to that, that'll be at 3 o'clock today in our chapel, which is when you come in this door right over here by the ramps, it's right there um, on your left when you come in that door. And then also we're going to do a Zoom meeting for those of you who can't come today on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. All right. And so if you want to participate on Zoom at 8 on Tuesday, you can join us then. So come on out. If you have any questions about that before then, just let me know after church. 
Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to enter into our time of prayer. I'm going to kneel at the altar, and like I do each week, I invite you all to join me at the altar if you would like to take that posture of prayer. Um, if you'd like to stay in your seats, totally cool as well. But I'm going to kneel here, and I'll give you all a moment to come forward if you'd like to kneel at the altar and kind of settle down and enter into a spirit of prayer. After we're done praying, we will say the Lord's Prayer together to end our time. For some of us, this may be the first kind of quiet moment we've had today. I encourage you just to take advantage of it and try to center yourself. Maybe you just want to focus on your breathing. God, we are gathered here this morning and Lord, we are expecting um, to encounter you in some way. We've gathered here together probably for many, many other reasons to, to say thank you and to lift up your name. We've gathered here to see and connect with friends. And we've gathered here to meet new people. We've gathered here because maybe our lives are feeling very out of sorts and we need to find some peace. We're gathered here to seek a purpose and meaning in our life. And, and we want to be inspired and motivated to continue to live for you in this world. Some of us are here seeking refuge because this world has been beating us down and we, we need a place of refuge and respite to, to rest and to, and to feel good for just a little bit of time, to feel more encouraged and hopeful about the world around us and our lives. Many of us are here because feeling loss and grief and, and we need a friend, we need to be encouraged in the midst of our dark time. And Lord, I'm just so amazed by how good you are and how big you are that, that no matter what it is we're seeking, that ultimately you can be the answer for all of it. And that you can 
speak and minister to each of us in, in the ways that we need this morning. And so, God, we're, we're coming to you, the good shepherd, our minister, our pastor, the one who cares for us. And we pray, God, that you would care for us today, that you would minister to us today, that you would join us, God, and, and meet us in our times of need and in our places of longing, in our, our places of grief and pain, that you would meet us, Lord, and that you would speak a word of life and goodness, that you would remind us how much you love us, that you would invite us into something better this morning. Lord, we're longing to see your face. We're longing to see your light through the, in the midst of all the, the darkness and, and the the distractions and, and all the things that are vying for our attention and pulling us each and every way. Often to live in this world seems, it seems like a very violent enterprise, Lord, just to live here. Because there's just a lot of stuff being thrown at us all the time. And I know many people here coming today maybe feeling beat up this week. And I just pray, God, that you would speak to them. You would speak to them tenderly. And remind them, Lord, that you love them and that there is peace, that there is wholeness to be found in you. God, you are good. You are good. Lord, we uh, need you so much, and we just pray you would meet us this morning. God, everything going on around us seems to be so overwhelming at times. And I pray, Lord, that... that Today and, and really every time we gather together, we would be reminded that you invite us into a, a life of peace and, and wholeness. And I pray we would press into that this morning and we would receive the gift of your love and of your grace and of your redemption. Now we join together and pray this prayer that Jesus taught us, his disciples, to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, as you know, we've been in this series that we've been going through for uh, the past few weeks, looking at the last week of Jesus' life. And so we've gone through Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And today we're going to be focusing on Thursday, which some people call Holy Thursday or Maundy Thursday. And I'm excited to dig into this passage with you all today. Uh, today is extra special because we have somebody else who's going to be preaching this morning. Um, Mary Beth, I invite you to come on up. Let's give Mary Beth a hand as she comes to the front. Mary Beth uh, preached last semester, but Mary Beth is a mentored ministry student um, here at Embrace. And she, uh, out of all the options out there, all the churches, she wanted to come and, and do her uh, kind of internship that she does through her program at Asbury Seminary. Um, with Embrace, and, and specifically had a heart for being at a church that um, was reaching out to his community, a church that had people from all different backgrounds, really wanted to grow and be challenged, 
and be pushed. She's also volunteering at Common Good as part of that internship as well and just growing in all sorts of ways. And I'm just really excited for um, all the work that she's doing now to, to prepare for um, her future. And really, it's not even just preparation. She's doing ministry now and really blessing and reaching folks each and every week here at the church. And so this is the second time she's preached here on a Sunday morning. And y'all were very gracious, and she did a wonderful job the first time, um, even though we asked her like just a Really, a couple days in advance uh, to preach on a Sunday morning. Uh, she had already prepared for Monday night, but we needed her on Sunday also because Christina was sick. Um, but she had a little more prep time for this Sunday. Uh, so we're, we're excited to have her here today. And uh, I'm just excited to hear what God is going to share with us. So let me say a prayer for Mary Beth before she begins. God, thank you so much for uh, this wonderful morning. And God, we thank you that you have gifted uh, so many within our community here with the gift of preaching and sharing your word. And Lord, we just thank you that Mary Beth is stepping into that calling and receiving that gift and using it to, to really bless our community and help us all to become more like you. And I just pray you would speak through her today and that all her preparation and work she's put into this, would um, that you would honor that and that you would allow us all to be transformed through our time of, of hearing the word today, Lord. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And while God's people said... Amen. Thank you. Howdy. Um, yeah, as John said, I have been serving this church uh, since September at the gathering and at Common Good. So it's really exciting to get to be here again. I did have a little bit more preparation this time, so I hope it make a difference. Uh, we'll see. You can tell me afterwards if it was better or worse than the last time. Um, but so I was telling John this last week that working on this sermon has been a fun little puzzle um, because he's laid out this really beautiful groundwork of Holy Week Sunday through Wednesday over the last few weeks. So I get to figure out how to kind of dive right in without just totally going rogue and uh, going too off the rails, but without saying everything he's already said. So very exciting. Um, so if you've been following along for the last four weeks, you know that we've been doing an in-depth study of the last week of Jesus's life on earth. Um, so this story takes up a really significant amount of space in the gospel story, um, but it's not a lot of, it's something that a lot of churches don't spend a ton of time really digging into because it just happens so fast. It's all in a week. So it's really cool that we get to learn about in a lot more depth um, everything that is sort of going on um, throughout the course of that week and all of the things that everybody's experiencing. Um, so because this week, as it is shared in scripture, has a lot of common threads that sort of run through and build upon one another, um, I thought we'd recap just a little bit. So the first major common thread that we've seen each day of Holy Week is increasing conflict with political and religious authorities. So this has also driven Jesus and the other disciples to operate under a lot of secrecy. So we talk about the ways that they do ministry in Jerusalem during the day, and then once it gets dark outside, everybody goes and stays in the suburb of Bethany. So they are not quite so much in the limelight. Um, they... Um, they try to stay out of the eyes of the authorities a lot. So um, we've been talking about the ways that the, this growing tension has shown a light on injustice within the systems of power, 
corruption within the temple, um, and even the individual shortcomings of Jesus' disciples and his closest followers. So on Palm Sunday, we talked about how Jesus comes into Jerusalem in this very specific and public way, um, and it, this represents a new model of kingship to the public that was very different from the kingship of Caesar, um, and the Roman government perceived that as a threat. Um, on Monday, Jesus enters into the temple, and he protests the behavior of the authorities, and he calls out their selfishness. He turns over tables, and he calls the temple a den of robbers. Uh, and on Tuesday, he returns to the temple, and the religious authorities question him. They try to find any reason to incriminate Jesus on the things that he believes and his teaching. Um, but instead, he draws attention to the poverty of a widow and calls out um, the hypocrisy of the religious leaders who um, use their wealth to hold power over vulnerable people. Uh, and then last week, we talked about Wednesday in the way that at this point in the week, the authorities were ready to arrest Jesus, but they needed to identify a traitor to sell him out. Uh, and they, they, this traitor needed to find an opportunity for them to arrest Jesus. Um, so they end up making a deal with Judas, and he's, he's their traitor. Um, and so meanwhile, we hear this story of a woman who anointed Jesus' feet with oil, and it's this act of very extravagant and intimate worship. Um, and this is sort of a contrast between the way that the disciples have been treating Jesus up until this point. So that piece of the failure of the disciples um, is, is really on display, really, on Thursday. And so this is where we're going to lean in a little bit today. Um, so as you've seen, we've been just laying this groundwork for why everybody's so upset with Jesus um, and why they're looking for reasons to arrest him. And Jesus' response to all of these things is just to continue holding the people of God accountable and to continue advocating for justice within the community. And so as this tension builds each day a little bit more, Thursday is where things really come to a head. Uh, Marcus Borg, who wrote this book that we've been studying on the last week of Jesus' life, he says, Holy Thursday is full of drama. And so since we're in church and we're into confessing sins, I will admit that I love drama. And so I'm really excited that we get to talk about Thursday. This is a lot of drama. So where we left off last week, we just said this woman poured oil on the feet of Jesus and Judas identified himself as a traitor, right? And so from this point on, he's just looking for an opportunity to give Jesus away, right? And so um, as we've mentioned, um, as Jesus has been in Jerusalem, there's a lot of secrecy, right? They, they spend the night in Bethany, and then they do work in Jerusalem. Um, on Thursday, this air of secrecy even infiltrates the culture of the disciples. So when they ask Jesus where they're going to have a Passover meal, Jesus won't even tell them where exactly it's going to be. He sends two of his disciples into Jerusalem and says, you'll meet a man and he'll be carrying a jug of water. And that man will take you to a very secret, undisclosed place. And that will be where uh, we have dinner. So he can't even tell the disciples, go to this place or else Judas might give them away. Uh, it's very clear at this point that Jesus can't even trust the disciples not to interfere with his ministry. So this brings us to our Passover meal. So this is um, out of Mark chapter 14, verses 17 through 25. If you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen. When evening came, 
Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread in the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So talk about drama. The very first words that we hear out of Jesus' mouth are that somebody at the table is going to betray him. So not only is somebody going to betray Jesus, but Jesus knows about it. And he tells the disciples, I know it's going to be one of you. And as it turns out, Jesus is not only going to be betrayed by Judas, he's going to be denied by Peter and abandoned by all of the rest of his disciples. And so even in the face of these accusations, being told that somebody is going to betray Jesus, the disciples are still only concerned about themselves. Did you guys catch that? He says, somebody here is going to betray me. And their response is, um, is it me? Is it me that's going to do that? So amidst all of the growing and political and religious and social tensions of the past week, the predictions of, that Jesus gives of his death, um, conversations about the end time, the disciples are not clueless that something really horrible is about to happen. And still, when their best friend and teacher says something really bad is about to happen, all they have to say is, it's not me though, right? It's going to be somebody else that I can blame around here. And yet, in all of the disloyalty and the self-concern and the pending betrayal from all these disciples, Jesus continues on, and he chooses to share this meal with them. And I don't think that it can be overstated just how intimate and personal this meal would have felt. We hear it a little bit in the language that it says it's they're, sharing, they're dipping bread in the same bowl and that they share the same cup. So there's a little bit of that physical intimacy that we hear about, um, but there's also a, a spiritual intimacy that's cultivated here. Jesus blesses the bread, and so everybody who then eats the bread receives that blessing, right? There's intimacy in the fact that it's the Passover tradition, and so this meal is commemorating a time where their Jewish, Jewish ancestors uh, experienced a, an enormous amount of suffering and dis displayed very... Um, deep and sincere faith in the midst of it. Um, even in the lives of the disciples, Jesus has set a precedent for extraordinary meals, even in the last few years of his ministry. He feeds the 5,000, and he eats with sinners and tax collectors. So meals for Jesus are not just casual get-togethers, but they're very meaningful experiences of sharing cultural life together. And so in the same way, the Last Supper is not just an ordinary meal that is being shared between friends, but Jesus' choice to share this meal with them, with all of these people who are going to leave him, is a demonstration of his very deep love and care for each individual at that table. 
over the last few years, um, as I've been growing up and living on my own, uh, one of the things I've had to learn is how to cook for myself, because um, I'm trying to be an adult. Um, but these ways, these days, it's really easy to like look up a recipe on your phone, on Pinterest, and have try something new um, that somebody on the internet has told you how to cook. Um, or if you're like me in college, you'll just eat a lot of scrambled eggs. Um, but I was finding that I was really missing a lot of the meals that I grew up eating, um, the, the things that my mom and dad used to make and the ways that they used to make them. And so whenever I would go home for a break in college, I would say, can you teach me how to make these things? Because um, I don't I don't want to just eat scrambled eggs forever. Uh, and so I would ask them to teach me how to make some of their classic meals. Um, but every time, I would always get a little bit more than just, oh, here's how to make it. You get this ingredient, and you put it together in this way. Um, I would always get a lot more. I would get stories from my dad about the way that his mom and his grandma used to make this dish and what it was like growing up as a kid where he was from. I would get to hear the thought processes of my mom who never follows a recipe ever and it's always, oh, add a little bit of this and a little of that and if it tastes like this, you've added too much of this. Um, and so preparing these meals with my, preparing these meals with my parents wasn't just a simple lesson and eating together. It was so much more of that. My parents poured their whole selves into teaching me these rhythms of their lives, right, and their special traditions. Um, that are deeply ingrained into their family life and who they are as people, right? And so this time represented so much more than just sharing a meal, but they were inviting me into this common family narrative and this intimate sharing, not just of food, but of ourselves and of our lives together. So in the same way, the Last Supper, it's far more than just a shared meal for Jesus and his followers. This is the final opportunity for this group to gather together and share their lives together, right? There's a New Testament scholar named R.T. France who I thought said it really well. He said, the final phase of this drama, which will eventually become the story of Jesus alone against the authorities, begins with Jesus and his closest disciples together as, as they have been throughout the gospel. Ever since the first calling of the Galilean fishermen in chapter one, this has not simply been the story of Jesus, but the story of Jesus and his disciples, a close-knit task force who have traveled, lived, slept, and shared resources together. So now they come together for a farewell meal, but much more than that, a last Passover together, and one at which things will be said and done. And at this point in the narrative, Jesus clearly knows how this story will end. He knows that his disciples will leave him, and yet, he chooses to invite them in to share this meal together and to extend blessings to them. And so no matter how the disciples may turn their backs on Jesus after all they have been through, Jesus never turns his back on his disciples. No matter how devastatingly the disciples may fail, even when their failure turns Jesus over to his death, Jesus will continue to meet them with grace and love and compassion and an invitation to relationship. So after the dinner then, we're reminded yet again of the failure of the disciples. Jesus tells all of his disciples that they will abandon him, and Peter specifically will disown him three times. And the word in Greek for disown here is a really harsh word, um, and it means to completely rid yourself 
of a previously held association, right? So this isn't vague. This isn't an accident or something a little ambiguous. Like, oh, Jesus, I've, I don't know if I know him. This is a very real uh, breaking of a relationship, right? And so how could Peter go from being so sure, so sure something like this would never happen to such a clear denial in just a matter of hours. Um, A theologian from the early church, St. Augustine, says, God knows in us even what we ourselves do not know in ourselves. So Peter did not even know in his own weakness when he heard from the Lord that he would deny him three times. And we never learn exactly why Peter made this switch from confidence in Jesus to complete denial in him. Perhaps he was afraid for his own safety. Perhaps he was beginning to realize that things were going to be heating up for Jesus. And maybe Jesus wasn't actually who he said he was going to be. Whatever that reason may have been, Jesus knew even before Peter did that this was going to happen. And yet, he invites Peter along with the other disciples into the next event of the Holy Thursday, which is to pray together in the Garden of Gethsemane in his final hours. So this is the second time now that Jesus acknowledges that he knows that his disciples are going to turn on him. And still, he invites them into this intimate moment of deep vulnerability and community. And this time, we hear that Jesus is experiencing very soul-wrenching pain. Uh, Mark 14, verses 32 through 34, says... They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be so deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. And so Jesus' continual inclusion of disciples into moments like this is really not exactly about the disciples. It's not that they are such really good, true friends that they are there or that they have something in their character that keeps them worthy of being around, but this is the continued grace and mercy of God on display. Jesus goes off to pray in his sorrow, and then three times his disciples fall asleep. And then after this, Jesus is arrested, and the disciples are separated from him until Easter which is not a happy ending. After many opportunities to let the disciples prove themselves to be faithful and supportive, they continue to let him down. Not only is Jesus isolated by the Jewish authorities and by the larger community in his most heartbreaking moments of prayer, Jesus is even isolated from his disciples. So I don't know about you, but when I hear this part of the story, I really cringe Jesus warns his disciples over and over and over again for the past few days that they are going to fail him. So don't you think that if, if Jesus was your teacher and friend and you were with him and he said, hey, can you stay awake and pray with me in the garden, that you would stay awake and pray with him in the garden? Or maybe if you fell asleep once and Jesus woke you up and said, hey, did you know you fell asleep? you'd get really embarrassed and you'd just like take a lap around the garden so that you wouldn't fall asleep again. I just feel such embarrassment in this, reading this and picturing myself as a disciple, going, oh my gosh, how do they not know what they're doing? And then I have to wonder, what makes me think 
that I am so incapable of messing up like the disciples are. When I am honest about my own life, there are so many times that I am a lot more aligned with the disciples than I am with Jesus. There are plenty of times that I choose not to spend time with God because I am tired or because I have something else to do. You know, we talk about how the disciples are going to end up arresting Jesus, or abandoning Jesus, excuse me. Um, but after that, Jesus has been arrested. You know, at that point, they maybe are starting to wonder, is this Jesus guy really who he says that he was? I mean, he's getting arrested. He's not with us anymore to encourage us. And I think there are plenty of times when I wonder if God really is as good as God says he is. And I question why God doesn't just come in and fix everything. The unfortunate truth with the disciples is that after time and time again of, of failing, failing to love and support Jesus, they run out of second chances to, to prove that they can be faithful disciples during Jesus' life. However, the good news for us today is that even in our biggest failures, Jesus, in his infinite love and grace and mercy, always extends a second chance to us into relationship with him. Because the heart of God is always for reconciliation and redemption. And no failure of ours will ever keep God from pursuing us and calling us back. So what does this life of the disciple involve? In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus continually paints the picture of a disciple as someone who is willing to deny themselves, to take up their cross, and follow Jesus faithfully in his teachings and in his example. And the example that Jesus sets throughout this book is one of healing the sick, eating with sinners, caring for children and the sick and the poor, keeping accountable and correcting leaders of the faith, um, and sharing the good news of gospel with every person that they meet along the way. And put simply, following Jesus closely involves faithfully loving our God and loving our neighbors well, even and perhaps especially in those moments of doubt and those moments of stress and fear. So amidst all of the drama of Holy Thursday and all of the disappointing behavior from the disciples and perhaps the discouraging mirror that they hold up for us, there is still hope. Not because of anything that we can do, but because God's heart is always for reconciliation and redemption. And no matter how deeply we fail or we stray away, how many times we need to be called back again, there will always be a place for us in the depths of the garden. There will always be a seat for us at the table in the community of God and an invitation to partake of the blessings of Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Good to know. <laughs> it's good to know, David. Thank you. She can. She can preach as well. 
That's right, David. Thank you for that encouragement, for sure. And it's good to know she can make coffee. Well, y'all, we're going to enter into a time of communion, and there's not a whole lot I need to say. Mary Beth has really ushered us into this time well, and just offering that encouragement to us that there's a seat for us at the table. You know, and I think about the Last Supper and, and all the people that were sitting at that meal. I mean, you know, that was a ragtag group of people, and many of them, Many of them, if not really all of them, failed Jesus miserably um, and in many, many ways, definitely those, those disciples. Yet there was still a seat for them, and there was still that invitation of grace and love and, and acceptance. And so I want you all to know that, that the table is available to you as well today, that Jesus extends um, his hand to you and invites you to join him. Um, there's always extra room at the table, you know. Um, I think that... We, in my house, we've had meals sometimes, and our table only seats eight, but we put 15 around it if we have to, you know, because you always can squeeze more in, and, and I think that's ultimately what, what the table with Jesus looks like, and, and it was way more than just taking a little piece of bread and some juice, you know, they shared a full meal with lots of food, um, and I'm sure there was a lot of heaviness, but some joy shared, because every time we get together and share a meal with one another, there's always joy in that experience, and so... Um, we're going to share communion together. Um, I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. Um, before that, I'll just give you a little uh, reminder. We have moved into taking communion differently, um, which is really how we used to take it um, years ago before the pandemic. Um, but we are going to take communion by using the shared loaf and the common cup. And it's really a, a beautiful image of all of us coming forward together, all people equal in the eyes of God, all people who are loved unconditionally by God, all children of God coming forward to receive that grace and love that God has to give us. And so I'm in just a moment. I'll invite you to come. You'll form two lines down the center aisle. When you come forward, please use the hand sanitizer when you get to that part. And then when you come forward, your server will rip a piece of bread off for you, and they will actually dip it in the cup for you and then hand it to you. And so if you get a little juice on your hands, there are some Kleenexes over there if you need those. I mean, it'd be a little messier, but this is just a um, help spread less germs as we share communion together. If you would still like to use the prepackaged elements, um, that's totally fine. No judgment at all in that. If you're not comfortable coming forward yet, um, then you can go to the back of the room and you can have a moment there. And there are communion elements back there by the giving box, and you're welcome to use those. And so um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll enter into this moment together. God, we come to you today, and we are so grateful for your love and grace. And Lord, we're grateful that, that God, we have these ancient stories that, that are just so powerful. And, and God, I thank you that um, the writers of the gospel were not afraid to, to share the hard, the hard details of the story that they're willing to share about the mess-ups and the profound failures and the betrayals. And still tell us about that consistent and unconditional love that you have for us in spite of it all. God, we come before you today um, as mess-ups. Um, we, we have made many mistakes and we have failed to, to honor the relationships in our lives. We've hurt one another. We've not cared for this beautiful world that you have given us. We have failed to, to seek um, justice in this world. We failed to love our neighbor as ourselves. We confess to you, Lord, that we have sinned and we need your grace and forgiveness. 
And so, God, we pray today that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon this bread and juice, that it would be for us the body and blood of Christ, that you would fill us up today in a fresh way, that we would leave here changed as we've encountered you. We're grateful for the forgiveness that you offer, the redemption that you offer, the the power that, that exists in a relationship with you to really live differently in this world and to choose life over death, to choose love over disconnection, to choose relationships and community and courage and friendship and commitment. I pray, Lord, that we would have more courage and, and more strength to choose those things this week through being filled up by you through this meal that we're going to share. Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm just going to take a moment to prepare. I'm going to invite those who are helping me serve communion to come on up. So I'm going to invite you all to come as you feel led this morning. Um, everybody's welcome to share communion. You don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to have it all figured out. If you want to know God more, then I believe God's inviting you to his table. So as you feel led, um, come and share the Lord's Supper uh, with us this morning. Like a hurricane, I am 
We are his portion and he is our prize. Drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. With his grace is an ocean we're all seeing. today. As you're able, let's all stand for the benediction. Before y'all leave, a couple of quick things. Uh, One, I want to give special recognition. Is Sue Crone still in here? Where is she at? Sue is back with us from being in Costa Rica for a few months, um, serving there with her sister and her ministry, um, who embraced supports. And then also, Ryan and Amanda Callahan and their son Ian are here with us as well all the way from Honduras. Uh, They are uh, partners with us and and serving in in Honduras, and so we're so grateful that they've been with us the last couple of Sundays before they head back. Um, And so we're just grateful to to see people we haven't seen in a while. Um, Also, if you'd like a banner uh, to uh, decorate for Easter, then please do so. We want to make sure we give all those out so that we can have a good celebration on Easter. Go to the cafe And Emily will be there if you have any questions to give you what you need for that. And then also our our meeting is at 3 o'clock today if you want to come back for that um, that I mentioned earlier. So prepare your hearts to receive the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.